Hello, I'm Jared Altick, and I'm a chaplain with the police department. First things first, though, I'm a minister or a pastor at a church. I preach sermons every Sunday, I teach classes, I do counseling, I perform weddings and funerals. It's not only my day job that supports my family, it's also the only job I've ever wanted. It's my first love, my first priority. But I also volunteer as a police chaplain. And I'm so blessed to be at a church that supports me and even encourages me to get out into our community and volunteer. I get asked the question fairly often, what is a chaplain? In simplest terms, a chaplain is like a priest or a pastor who is attached to an organization like a hospital or the military. In my case, I volunteer with the local police department. Let me briefly describe what being a police chaplain looks like. Typically, dispatch will page or call us out to the scene of an unattended death. That means a homicide, a suicide, or an accident, or a natural death where there's no doctor or hospice care. A chaplain goes there to support the victim's family members, to pay respect to the dead, and to spend time with the first responders who are on the scene. When I arrive on a scene, a lot of times I can't see the lights and the patrol cars until I turn the last corner. And I see the cars there and I park my car and I get out and I try to find a sergeant who's in charge. That way I can get the name of the deceased, the name of the relatives that maybe we're dealing with, uh, so I can call people by their, by their names. I think that's comforting to, to address people uh, you know, in a personal kind of way. And I will then go to the family members, the neighbors, the friends, and I'll express my condolences. Uh, sometimes, depending on their faith background, maybe I can pray with them. That's not always what they want, and so I never know until I get there. But I will go in, and sometimes I will pray over the body. Again, it kind of depends. I just went to a call not that long ago where, where as I walked in the house, there was an open Bible next to a chair. Well, that gives me a pretty good indication of what that person believed and where they were coming from before they passed away. At this point, I'll try to split my time between the family and neighbors and the officers who are still on scene. I don't know who needs to talk, who is being traumatized by this experience, and to what degree. Uh, I just never know who wants to talk. And I'm always a little bit surprised who wants to spend time and chat with the chaplain. When the investigation phase is over, and that varies depending on the circumstances of how the deceased passed away, when that's finished, we're waiting for the transportation company. Now, either a funeral home or a transportation company will come to pick up the body to take it to the funeral home or to the coroner. And when that happens, I try to treat this just like I would a funeral. At a funeral, I would precede the casket from the church to the hearse. And then again, I would be walking in front of the casket from the hearse to the grave. And I do the same thing here. When the deceased is is picked up and put on a gurney and moved out of their home for the last time, I stay with them and walk before them 
as a way to honor the deceased and to make this a solemn and important event that they are being moved out of their home for the last time. This is the last time the family will see them or even be in their presence, usually until the funeral. And so I try to, to make that a very serious moment. A chaplain also gets called out on death notifications. When a person who has died and has then been identified, a chaplain and a police officer will go to the home of the next of kin and tell them the bad news and try to provide some comfort. Death notifications are one of the reasons I got into being a chaplain in the first place. I looked at all the stressful things that police officers did and I thought, now why does a young police officer have to also go do this particular task? Why do they have to knock on the door and tell someone this terrible, terrible news? I just felt like that's somewhere where I could step in and do that. I've been officiating funerals for 25 years and I don't like to deliver bad news, but I feel like I'm equipped to do that without having that affect me in a large way emotionally. And so, so let me do that. I have special training. I have special experience. I can go up and I can be the one to knock on the door. I can identify who I'm talking to, verify that we're speaking to the correct family, and then break that news in a firm but, but kind way. And, and so that's what I do. When I get called out by the police department or the sheriff's office, I, I ask to take charge. I ask to, to be the lead and make the first contact because uh, I intend to do that so the officers don't have to do it themselves. Also, a chaplain goes to the police station to attend roll calls and to do ride-alongs to build relationships with the officers. This is often called the Ministry of Presence. It matters that a chaplain is present and shares in the experiences that the officers go through. It makes all the difference in building trust and rapport. I work full-time at the church, but I have the ability to adjust my schedule and make it so that I can be at some of these roll calls and other activities where I can interact with the police officers. And one of the little tricks I do is I'm going to have to go to the dry cleaner every so often. And so I go to a dry cleaner that is just down the street from one of the police stations. And I only go to the dry cleaner when I can also stop in at the police station and hit a roll call. And so I, I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone, and I just kind of work that into my life, that if I'm going to get gas, if I'm going to the dry cleaner, if I'm going to do any of these regular kind of go run the errands, I do that at places and at times where I can hit that roll call in that change of shifts where I can then be around the officers. And the roll calls often only take five minutes, but that was five minutes of me being there and, and showing that I'm invested in those police officers, especially those young patrol officers. I, I care about what they're doing at work. I sit in and listen to their meetings. I, I hear what they're dealing with, whether it's new policies or, or reprimands or whatever else it may be. I'm just there on a regular enough basis that I can build that rapport. So why does this podcast exist? The main reason is that I care about police officers. I care about their wellness and I want good things for them. I want them to cope well and to be emotionally healthy to advance in their careers. I want them to have happy marriages and healthy friendships. 
but especially, I want first responder suicides to be prevented. I literally want to help save their lives. In a stressful job like this, it's more likely that an officer would die by suicide than by any other work-related cause. I want to be part of a team of people and part of a system that mitigates these factors and reduces the number of these suicides. And I know that through the podcast, I can then be available, in a sense, to an officer 24 hours a day, every day, in a way that I could never be in person. I could still have this voice that reaches out to them, uh, maybe when they most need it. So this podcast's purpose is to share wisdom and support and encouragement with officers and their families. I have interviews planned with law enforcement people both here in the Midwest and also all over the country. And I'm hoping that a listener hears this podcast and thinks, I've been in a situation like that. And then they might feel a connection to the positive advice and encouragement that we give here. I want officers to feel hopeful about the life that they've chosen because it makes so much of a difference to so many of us. So how can you help? Well, first of all, subscribe to my podcast. This doesn't cost you anything. It just means that when I release a new episode, you'll see it pop up automatically in your podcast app. I don't want you to miss a single episode. Second, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, tap the name of the show, scroll down, and leave a five-star written review. Your recommendation seems to really help people try this show for the first time. I don't make the rules here, but apparently the algorithm thinks that five stars means you like it, but for some reason only four stars means you must hate it. I don't know why it works like that, but that's what I'm told. So give me a five star review and write something down there. That that seems to really help. The third action you can take to help the podcast is probably the most effective. Just tell a friend. Share an episode with someone who you think will connect with that specific topic. Send it right from your podcast app or email them the link to the podcast or to the Hey Chaplin page on Facebook. Just get it to them because a recommendation from you would mean a lot. Finally, the best thing you can do is to pray for me. This podcast is not monetized. Everything I'm doing is at my own expense and on my own time, without any official support or endorsement from any of the local agencies with which I volunteer. Please pray for my work with the local church, pray for my health and the health and well-being of my family, and pray for the officers with whom I have actual face-to-face contact at the police station and out on the street. And as always, pray for peace in our city.